Welcome to He Gets It Podcast, a platform used to inspire and educate listeners on difficult issues that affect all Americans. If you would like Carlos to speak at your next event, please log on to honoraysenterprise.net for booking information. Get ready to step out of your comfort zone with your host, Carlos and Tatum Honore. Hey guys, hello everybody, and welcome to the 18th edition of He Gets It Podcast. We're your host, I'm Carlos Honore. And I'm Tatum Honore. And you know how we're going to get started. I don't have to hope you guys got your drinks ready already. You know how we do it. Well, this time I have wine and in a, a whiskey, whiskey glass. glass. <laughs> Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. Is that ghetto? Is that considered ghetto? That's bougie. Bougie? Wine and a, wine wine and a whiskey. And a whiskey. <laughs> yeah. That's bougie. I don't think hey, I'm bougie, y'all. You guys can't All right, so last week we talked about some hot topics, um, some of the comments that our uh, chief and officer made about the soon-to-be um, vice president, Kamala yeah. Harris. And we learned quickly that we can't say any and everything we want. Facebook sort of censored us. <laughs> yeah. So you guys got the, uh, the edited version of what we really said. And but, it didn't go out to everybody yeah, either. Yeah. So anyway, uh, hopefully we'll make it up today. But uh, we will always say what we feel and what's on our minds. And you know, mat- no matter if we're censored or or not. You know, yep. it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> that's what that's what no, Michelle said, can, huh? Uh, it is what it is. Don't say names. Oh, 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 no names. We, we are here. Okay. <laughs> it so, is what it is. But this week we're going to talk about. The coronavirus, the uh, or COVID nineteen, whatever you want to call it, the ugly side of it, the things that have come out, yeah, the things that have come out um, since um, the virus has kind of taken over everything. You know, things like um, go ahead. Well, not just that. We um, we're going to talk about our personal experiences with it because (laughs) we we've lived through it. And uh, some of the issues that has come about because of it, uh, not just um, physical and medical issues, but also issues when it relates to, you know, uh, patients and testing and things of that nature. Yep. So um, I guess first uh, we can start off by, you know, um, Carlos, well, our middle son was the first to uh, have COVID and it was because of um, a football camp that he attended mm-hmm. and um, you know he uh, was the first one and we call him the super spreader yeah, because, <laughs> because when I tell you he infected everyone but the crazy thing is we all thought that we were doing we were wearing masks we were in the we, house yeah in the house and we were, we were, we thought that we were doing everything that they suggested you do to keep yourself um, safe from getting it. Mm-hmm. But in our case, it just by him being around everybody else and then him bringing it back into the house, there was no way to avoid it. So. And and he isolated. He stayed in that room <laughs> for. 
14 days, but let me tell you, you know, CDC guidelines are saying that after 14 days, a, a per, no, I think it now it's 10, 10 days, that a person is no longer infected. I didn't get it until like um, a month later. And the odd thing is he was the only one, everyone had been tested again. Mm -hmm. He was the only one that was tested and that was still positive. And I ended up getting it like a month later. Yep. So that goes to show you we can't, I know in our case, you know, we were believing, you know, what was being put out there, but in our situation was totally different. Um, so I'm not going to say, you know, CDC is there. They're there for a reason. Yep. We're to abide by guidelines. You know, we're not putting out any kind of conspiracy theories or anything like that. What we're doing is telling the facts and the facts that happened in this house. And ours, who us. Yeah. And so, so, to make, so, to, so we can move on. To make a long story short, Ashton had it, then I got it, then Aaron had it somewhere in there. We don't know because <laughs> he didn't have any symptoms, but he was he had the virus but no symptoms. Mm -hmm. And then um, I was the last, the last to la get it. Later, later on. Yep, yep. And so, but we did manage. Tatum's uh, dad lives with us, mm -hmm. and uh, we did manage to um, stay safe around him and make sure well, that he was he didn't get it. Yeah, but you, we still have to follow the CDC guidelines because you don't want to, you know, bring something into your house and then yeah. you know, it, um, affect him. But uh, tell him, you know, um, how you felt about it, and as far as physically, you know, what were. Some my of symptoms. Your symptoms and yeah, so I I didn't have any of the upper respiratory um, problems at that initially, time. Initially, at right. that time that everybody was having that was putting people on ventilators, I didn't have that. But I had the headaches, I had the chills, I had uh, cramps. Oh, my body was so sore. I felt like I played the hardest football game and just got pummeled. I was just. Um, and then real, Lack real fatigue. Energy, yeah. yeah, and I was real fatigued. I mean, I must have slept. And it's that kind of fatigue that your body just shuts down. You can't do anything about it. You, Your body says, okay, it's time to go to sleep. And it goes to sleep. Um, so it was that kind of fatigue. That's how, those are the symptoms that I had. Yeah, yeah. And everybody was different. What um, about you? What was the worst? Me, for me, it was, um, it felt more like a sinus infection. Mm. Like, Remember, like my, it, um, that's what I said. Initially, I, I was like, it must be a sinus infection. But lo and behold, it wasn't a sinus infection. But only one day, I would say, when I had to lie down, mm -hmm. where I felt real fatigued and um, had the chills and all of that good stuff. But other than that, my symptoms were mild. When it comes to Carlos and Ashton, I think theirs were Probably pretty similar. Mm -hmm. um, they both stayed in bed for at least about a week and were very fatigued and, and things of that nature. And as far as Aaron, you know. He's <laughs> just been bouncing <laughs> he, he around. He was bouncing the around and everything. And had and, it the whole time. Yeah, and just once he tested, we found out that, you know, he had it. Yeah, but, for, yeah. but um, you know, another big thing is the after effects. That's what the I The after effects to. from it. Um, I didn't have any upper respiratory stuff, like I said earlier, when I first got it. But after I was cleared and I was negative, 
I started working out again, and man, I it would fat- I would get fatigued again. I mean, I would you, to to this day. He, when yep. he tries to cut the grass or when he works out, mm-hmm. is either he gets short of breath or um, he has to stop. Uh, one day, luckily, I was outside. <laughs> he almost passed out. Um, That's what she said. I was just real tired. I don't know about past male, maybe. Maybe he yeah. was pale. <laughs> Not. I don't know if you all can see. <laughs> He was he was pale. Now, when a person that color is pale, then you know she there's fabric- a problem. <laughs> That's a fabrication. <laughs> no, it, it was not. That's Maybe you were out of it, but uh, anyway, yeah, he almost <laughs> passed out. I, I thought I had to would, was going to have to call nine one one. But so anyway, we made it through it. Yeah, you know, we're still having some after effects and some side effects from it in different ways. But um, luckily, we're all doing fine otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's um, that's not the case for so... So many people. Yeah, for so many people, because we, we already see how many have already died from this uh, virus. So um, we're lucky. It could have been a lot worse, and we know that. Mm-hmm. But what we want to talk about is some of the things that have risen up since the virus. I mean, as far as... Um, social disparities. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, so from coming from Louisiana and Baton Rouge growing up, we always saw people struggle. People were struggling to make it. It's always been that way in Baton Rouge. You know, there are some people that are successful, yeah, but for the most part, in the environment where I grew up, and I can probably you can probably say the same where you grew up, mm-hmm. that people struggled. Mm-hmm. All it's always been a struggle to to provide to survive, to make it, it's just been a struggle. Mm-hmm. So now, since the virus has uh, come up, that struggle has hit mainstream and hit the suburbs and hit people that have never been used to that struggle. Now they're being affected by it. Mm-hmm. And now people are shining light on it because it's affecting some other people than, well, uh, help me, you see where I'm trying to go with it. I see where you're trying to yeah. go with it. But I think, no, they're shining a light on it because, number one, it's a pandemic, you know. Uh, so, but what has happened is, is that the disparities in in communities are um, being uh, ex- exacerbated because of the pandemic. So you have people who have, already been struggling all of their lives, now on top of that, have the struggle of health disparity. So for example, um, I have patients that, okay, Tell have them gone what you into do first, the hospital. So they, they may not know your profession. Uh, I'm a medical social worker. So I have patients who have gone into the hospital and um, now, the CDC has switched from um, a testing strategy to a symptom strategy. So what that means was before you could get tested as many times as you felt like you needed to, even if you were asymptomatic, didn't have any you know, uh, symptoms, you could get tested. Um, now what's going on in the hospitals um, there is a guideline, and if you don't meet um, 
the criteria on the guidelines, they're not going to test you. We've had like three or four patients who have been in the hospital like over a week's time or, you know, and have been in a hospital for significant issues and we're not tested. We're, we're just... Weren't tested at all? Weren't tested at all. We received a sheet stating does not meet criteria for testing. So in my mind, when they're telling us, oh, the positivity rate is going down, and guys, when they're talking about the positivity rate, they're talking about the number of people who are tested. Mm -hmm. So they're taking that percentage number from the number of people who are tested. If you are not testing people, then of course you're not getting all of the, the correct numbers. So you have that. On top of that, you have for people who have tested positive, there's no no longer a need to have two negative tests before you return back to work. Well, tell them what happened with you, your experience when you went. Well, that's, that's what I'm about oh, to okay. get to. Um, you don't have to have two negative tests before you t- return back to work. And that in itself I mean, is a red flag to me that says, okay, um, hmm, it's okay to go back into the workplace even though you don't have mm-hmm. anything to show that you're actually a negative. Now, mind you, remember, let's rewind back. We told you guys that I tested positive way much later than Ashton, Carlos, and Aaron. Mm-hmm. And they were the only ones because at that time I was at home. They were the only people I was, I was around. And Ashton was the only one who tested negative again during that period of time and like a month later mm-hmm. was when I got it. So that tells me Ashton have had to be the one to still be um, I can't find the super, the, the super spreader. <laughs> Besides the super spreader, con- contagious. Yeah. So to me, that says he was still contagious. So anyway, when it comes to the two negative tests, so um, for me, I only wanted to have another test just to determine, you know, if I was in that same situation as Ashton because of my dad. My dad is older, has Alzheimer's, you know, is not in any situation he can get COVID. We would not want him to get COVID. So, um, uh, I went to um, a medical facility in which I stated, you know, I needed to get tested. And so I was told I needed to get a letter from my employer in order to be retested. And I was like, For personal reasons. I was like, What? What do you mean? I have to get a letter from my employer to get retested. And, um, the nurse was like, uh, yeah, we're not. And this was that I was, I was, had been swabbed and everything. And so she was like, you need a letter from your employer. So I said, so since when does my employer dictate my health? Mm-hmm. You know, people are out there talking about, oh, uh, my rights, my rights. Well, what about this one? You know, <laughs> your employer t- giving you a letter 
in order for you to get retested. So I said, okay. I said, I, I you know, I don't know if you're sharing the correct information with me. I said, I need someone of authority to come and speak with me and tell me this is actually part of your policy that this, because it just, it just blew my mind. I thought she was not, she was just not telling me the truth. So anyway, the manager comes in. And so, you know, she had already talked to the, the nurse. And so she already, she came in like, well, uh, no, you can't have another test. And I was like, I, you know, somebody needs to explain to me why I can't, have another test and so um pretty much bottom line was i had to beg and plead for a test and finally i was able to receive that test oh so they, and for they a personal finally, yeah they finally gave you the I, I got it but i had to kick scream talk to managers and all of this stuff yep. in order to get a test and the only reason why I wanted the test was because of my father, because I am a caregiver. Mm -hmm. The only reason why employer was brought into the mix and all of that. I mean, I have my suspicions and I'm going, I'm going to share with mm -hmm. you what my suspicions are. The suspicion is that I think what they're doing is rushing people back to work, regardless of, you know, testing and just saying, okay, after this, these 10 days, you can return and you don't have to take a test because if you take another test and that test comes out positive, guess what? I guess that's the longer you have to stay out because you have to continue to quarantine. Mm -hmm. So that's my suspicion. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's my suspicion. Okay. Well, so when you told me that story, the first thing I said was, well, how many people actually fell for that and didn't get tested and got turned away because they had to go get a letter from their employer that mm -hmm. didn't know mm -hmm. to speak up for themselves? Mm -hmm. How many people did that happen to? Mm -hmm. And that's what made it feel real to me that, there was, mm -hmm. you know, this is in the big picture of everything. They're turning people away. Yeah, and, and, and it, it just speaks volumes about how, as a person you have so little to say about so much. Um, and a land is so free. Yeah. I mean, I would love, and I'm, I'm asking you guys, you know, if there's any hospital administrator who watches this, you know, I would love for someone to uh, get in contact with us to share with us, you know, why... We'll have you, we'll have you on the podcast. Exactly. Why um, these policies have changed. We, well, we know CDC guidelines have changed, but I would like to know why these policies have changed in which, like for, you know, advocating for my patients, why, why are they being let out of the hospitals without being tested for COVID? You know, what is this thing where they don't meet guidelines? And why is it that you all are asking for, and I don't know if it's, if it's all hospitals, that's why I'm asking if there's someone who's a hospital administrator who's more versed on all of this, uh, if they can call in or, or give us or shoot us an email 
um, so they can come on and talk to us more about it because our experiences just as normal people um, it's, it's been real tough and like I said before we are people who speak up for ourselves you know I had to jump through hoops yell scream cry you know do everything that I needed to do in order to get another test so you know what about the people who can't advocate for themselves mm-hmm. or who don't have someone else to advocate on their behalf you know that's a sad situation yep that's exactly where my mind went as soon as you told me but another way that it's affecting us um, not necessarily us but uh, in schools the way schools Are have been but not yeah. only been out but the way schooling has been for a very long time for um, inner cities or um, urban communities you know school has been um, not the best in previous years I mean as long as I can remember mm-hmm. it's always been disparities when it comes to schooling but oh, now yeah. the way things have evolved to where kids are doing a lot of things online now they're, they're, everybody's starting to really realize that yeah we're doing online schooling but how many kids don't have access to internet or how many kids don't have access to the laptops how many kids don't have those amenities that it takes to even go to do the online school but they're starting to recognize now and now it's a problem because it's happening again it's happening outside of these urban areas and people are starting to realize that oh this is a real problem people um, don't have access to these things yeah but but not just that we know from personal experience towards the end of school for our kids when they had to go uh, straight to online and now that we're getting back into the groove of things that they start online next week it takes a parent has to be there you know in order to help um, your kids maneuver through the whole online process because it's difficult and so what about the parents who can't stay at home and that's another thing in the suburbs like there's parents who are um, creating pods pods of kids in which one parent is taking on you know a group of kids in 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 order to help teach them and help facilitate the online process how many inner city kids can say yeah i mean everyone's trying to make ends meet you Mm -hmm. know trying to do the best that they can if they're unemployed right now because they lost their job they have to worry about where they're going to get rent money well, and on top of that, they have to try to find a job because un- unemployment benefits yep. have not been extended. So that parent has to go out looking for a job. So how can that parent help their kid online? You know, will there be uh, some groups to go out there willing to do model the same thing that suburban moms are doing where they're going into the inner city and helping pods of kids mm-hmm maneuver through the online process because I, I tell you, you know, being online, I think is the best thing right now with the pandemic, yep. you know, for our kids, um, our school district um, gave us an option. Initially, all kids are online, but then there's an option of online versus brick and mortar. And so our kids will do brick and mortar after the first week of online, but that's because 
they've had COVID. If our kids did not have COVID, they, they would home. be they would be here, and we would have to try to figure it out. But like now, we have the schedules of the kids, and we're trying to figure out right now. Like, uh, okay, so do they um, click uh, and, and enter in online for each class, or do they, you know? It's a schedule. They have they have they, to be if if they have a class at eight ten in the morning, they have to be up and on the computer to attend class. So no, I understand that mm-hmm. part, but like okay, each class has a has a time. Mm-hmm. So do they stay online in class for each time? You yeah, see what the I'm entire, saying? The entire, the entire time? time. I think and so. You think you. See, we, we don't even know. Yeah. We're trying to. There's gonna, it's it's going to be issues with kids lose their laptop chargers and they can't attend. Out. They get absence. I guess they're going to be counted absent if their computer's dead and they don't attend. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it works. I don't know. But, you know, not knocking, you know, we know that this was something that was totally unexpected. And so we all have to work through these issues. But we're just trying to bring light on inner city and the issues that you know um that those kids may mm-hmm. be having and their parents versus you know us you know yeah but you guys and, you guys know we've always been uh, advocate for at-risk youth and exactly. urban inner city kids and their families and i can guarantee you uh, a high percentage of the kids that we deal with won't be able to have those laptops no. and won't be able to have the internet access unless they provide it for them otherwise because their parents just whatever the case is they they wouldn't have access to it no no and and the whole thing about i i really hope there's something out there as far as like i think it's such a great idea to have those pods those parent pods Mm -hmm. you know um like i said in the inner city you may not be able to have the parent pods but maybe there are some organizations in the inner city that have enough staff that's willing to help out mm-hmm. to create pods, you know, for for kids to be able to learn and help them facilitate the online process to help them because that ultimately leads to remember there was a girl who um, I don't know if she was put in jail, but she was definitely arrested uh, because she didn't attend online classes. I forget what state it was in, but, you know, that's how things lead to the school-to-prison pipeline, you know, for simple things like that. Mm -hmm. When it may just be the kid didn't have the support in order to help her facilitate through that process and just couldn't get it and ended up being arrested for it. I mean, that's how it all starts. That's that disconnect, too, because, you know, if that's the case, if that's the case, we don't know. But if it is the case. Yeah. But that's how it starts. Yeah, and the the last thing that I want to say that I've noticed, um, which has been going on for a long time in some of these urban areas, is no one being able to watch the kids after school, nobody being there. Um, not just after school, but during the day now, since the kids are home from school, there's nobody there to watch the kids. Their experience and not being able to have um, an after-school program, so, like the kids that we have in our after-school program, they don't have that right now because of this. What are they doing right during those hours when they would be spending their time with us? Or, you know, parents are starting to not be able to mm-hmm. afford that 
anymore and to have their kids know where their kids are and um, know that their kids are safe because they have to work now. The kids are still home. They still have to work. So the kids are experiencing the things that have been going on now for a long time, like I said, in some of the inner cities. And it's twofold now. But they're shining, my point is they're shining light on it now because, and that's what I've been saying during all of this, they're shining light on it now because it's affecting everybody outside of, yeah, everybody. Everybody. And now they're seeing what we've been saying for years, the problem has been that we've been trying to overcome some of the systemic problems that we always talk about. Now it's starting to be an issue outside of our communities. Now, then that's fine because... With all the protesting, I think things are shifting and changing. This is a fine time to bring, to shine light on that issue while all this change is happening. Yeah, on inequities and inequalities and and things of that nature. Yeah, I I completely agree with with what you're saying, uh, Cynthia, because even in shining the light on everything, there's still the disparities when it comes to health care. And, you know, with COVID, you know, we see the numbers. You have black and brown people, uh, the groups are um, are more, uh, I can't find the word for it, but disproportionately affected uh, than other commun- communities. And so there's, uh, like in Texas, I mean, the number of the his- Hispanic population is really getting hit hard yep. with uh, COVID. And uh, my That's heart goes out to everybody. That, that, not to cut you off, not to cut you off, but that's because um, our leaders have, have made it for them to be scared to go seek medical attention with uh, the threat of being let's, deported. Let's not say our leaders. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. We were doing good. Yeah, we were doing good. I was doing good. <laughs> but yeah, but anyway... That's that's our take on um, the ugly side of um, COVID. The COVID. You know, there's some things that they're focusing on, but there's a lot of things that, you know, you have to process what's going on and come to your own conclusion of mm-hmm. what's happening and how things are shifting mm-hmm. and how we can incorporate things into that shift to benefit everybody. Mm-hmm. So everybody, like we say, and even level the playing field exactly. for everybody. You know, exactly. let us... You know, let everybody be on the same and just go in their own directions and based on their own merit and character. Yes, exactly. So, and uh, oh, I thought you wanted to give a special shout out to Iowa. We know that uh, Iowa was affected. Yeah. By. Yeah, and I, I did in the the, in, the uh, intro to this, but I want to say again to all my friends and family in the Iowa area, you know, uh, you guys suffered severe damage in that last. I don't know what to call it, an on-land hurricane. What, what are they classifying? It's not a tornado, but I know it's like 100-mile-per-hour winds. I want to tell you guys to stay encouraged. And, you know, we went through a similar situation during Harvey. We know what you guys are going through. We have hurricanes headed for the Gulf right, right now. now. Yeah. So, so. We, we feel you, your pain, you know, and it's summertime. It's hot. We it, That's just how it was here. Keep your head up. Stay encouraged. This will pass. You know, mm-hmm. you know help each other out. Be good neighbors. And um, we'll see you guys on the other end of it. Um, you will make it through it. So, yep. Yep. with that being said. With that being said. Oh, with that being said, we, our season will soon be wrapping up. Two so more we have, episodes. We have two more episodes of season one. Of He so Gets It podcast. Of He Gets It podcast. 
uh, we're doing some rebranding. So uh, be on the lookout for um, a new name for the podcast. Be on the lookout for guests. A lot of guests. guests. I mean, be on the lookout for a new website. I mean, just just new everything. Just a lot of rebranding going on. So uh, for those of you, don't try going to the webpage right now because what happens is when we have these um, podcasts, people start going to the website <laughs> looking for us. Our website is down right now. We're working on it. Yep, yep. <laughs> so don't go don't, to the website. Not yet. We'll let you guys know when it's cool. But you can over. email us. You can yep. always email us. Yep. Questions at honorayenterprise.net or um, carlos at honorayenterprise.net. Or even Tatum at uh, so you can't say you don't know how to reach us. Exactly. <laughs> Look, guys, thanks for hanging out with us. Um, we have two more episodes, and then we'll we'll go on. But you guys have been there. It's been a fun ride. Yes, it is. Yep. So see you guys next week. Bye. Bye-bye.